the real end goal of working with psilocybin is to be your own healer, not so that you have to go to somebody else to heal you. If I have a skill or an experience level that is a benefit to someone, awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to help you, but I'm going to try to bring you up to your own level of proficiency so that we can actually just be together in the space and not one person in some perceived authority over the other. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak, they talk to you, they will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Yeah, the touch thing in the psychedelic space, that's that's a tricky one. Yeah. Just reaching out to show some some care and support it's a it's heavily debated yeah i might touch someone unless i ask them or they ask me that's always been my practice uh like can i put my hand on your shoulder is like that's mm-hmm. you know just ask can i hold would you like me to hold your hand or if someone just flat out says can you please hold my hand or can you please give me a hug or whatever it is you know if someone was wearing blindfolds, mm-hmm. would you touch them? Hell, well, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> like, was, but, you know, the thing is, I have 100%. I will never forget seeing a uh, someone from Johns Hopkins who had been through psychedelic training and was part of research at Johns Hopkins touch someone who was blindfolded. Someone that was laying blindfolded this individual reached down, squatted down beside them, put their hand on their shoulder and said, are you okay? Oh, and so many fouls. Oh, God. And <laughs> In this, such a quick amount of time. <laughs> this was a psychedelic researcher. I saw this with my very own eyes. And the individual, the, the subject of this came to me later and said, that was so fucked up. I was like on the verge of seeing God. So, are you okay? <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> I'm not now. I don't know. <sighs> Damn it. Yeah. Well, that that question is always uh, a no-no. For those of you who are listening, just don't ever ask them if they're okay while they're on psychedelics cuz they probably if they're new to the game or if they're on a really high dose they probably don't even know what okay is yeah, what do you mean am i okay I do am i not I? look no. okay it just causes like, confusion i do feel like i'm dying so yeah, yeah. i don't know uh, so in today general just asking that question even on not when someone is not with tripping. psychedelics mm. is probably it's a confusing question. Well, I mean, you know, like, there's always... Th- there's better questions you could ask if you're trying to assess someone's yes. state of being. And if you actually care how someone's doing. Yeah. Know, because the truth is we're always okay and not okay, or usually. Yeah. Like, what are you feeling? Yeah. That's yeah. much better. Yeah. And you haven't even done much trip sitting. You're already better than uh, this Johns Hopkins research. <laughs> well, that's actually 100% true. You. I've done a lot more tripping than most people, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so true true but even still that doesn't necessarily make 
what that doesn't necessarily mean I'd be a good trip sitter. But anyway. Well, we're going to talk hopefully about what does make someone a good trip sitter. Um, today we're talking about the kind of future of psychedelic wellness, psilocybin wellness, exploring some possibilities for what the future of psilocybin wellness could look like. One of the reasons that we're doing this is because, A, this is an important conversation to have, and B, because there was a conversation that was recently just had by Vice about the future of psychedelic wellness. And in that video that you can find on YouTube, I was unnamedly referred to as the guy with the guru complex. Where's my robes? Where's my Where's my flowers and my followers? What the fuck? I'm glad you didn't put them on. Probably a good thing. Just you know. I don't think a tiptoe with that one. A bathrobe constitutes a guru robe. Uh, what about a headdress? Mm. <laughs> That's a whole other. Yeah. Okay, we won't. Yeah. Go there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So, what, like? what's our vision do you want to start with that like what's sure. what's our vision of the future mm. of working with uh say sacred mushrooms for mm. example well i would say it's an evolving vision uh, that we may not have a uh, conclusive this is what the end of the road looks like when we finally get there it is something that we have been developing over time uh, for myself it has been an ongoing process. It used to look very, very different than it does now. Uh, but then again, there's also a lot of similarities in the way that I uh, have operated over the last 20 years in psychedelic space. Maybe we should talk about how Sanctuary is operating because that is in alignment with our current uh, most up-to-date version of what psychedelic psilocybin sacred mushroom practice looks like. Yeah, with Sanctuary, it's very much a vision of community, long-term community, integrating the use of mushrooms with our community members that mm -hmm. are kind of like family, mm -hmm. uh, people that we grow with, not just for a week mm. or a month, but for years down the line. Um, I would say that was part of the vision that I had in Jamaica as well. Um, it was much harder to execute that vision because we were in Jamaica and our community was in the U.S. basically. You know, people would come down for retreat and then we'd form these bonds and friendships and then they'd go back to the States and we'd be stuck there on the edge of nowhere, basically. Yeah, that was, yeah, that definitely was your vision, but that's a very... The ability to execute that is just not not happening. Because of the location, but also because, because of the location. Well, also because it was set up as a top-down business, right? That these are the CEOs who make the decisions for the employees, and the employees disperse the operatives out into the guests, and then the guests go and write reviews on TripAdvisor, and then people come and read the TripAdvisor reviews and come in to repeat the process. Right. And where what we're doing with Sanctuary is so very different because we're asking our members what they want, what we can do for them better, uh, what this looks and feels like to you from and, your heart. And not like a survey. <laughs> and not through a survey, through active, ongoing conversations. 
And not only that, something that I am, I feel so wonderful about, I know you do too, is that we're showing the financials and the operations of how this thing runs so that people can understand what it is that we're dealing with here. Uh, it's not a small thing. And um, we, we need the community to give us insight and to help us move this in a way that is most accessible for as many people as possible. Yeah, it feels really good to be operating that way as a whole unit um, and as opposed to that top down, we make decisions without you, whether Mm -hmm. you like it or not, Mm -hmm. type of model. Our first community member community town hall type of meeting yesterday felt really good yeah uh, to share like you just mentioned the financials a whole like our whole annual type of report like in detail okay here this started with an idea in october of 2020 here's how it evolved we had a conversation me you and athena and we went back and forth and we hired some attorneys and blah, 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 blah. And then really getting into the nitty gritty of things that have held us back and some challenges that we have faced and are facing now and being really vulnerable with our members, mm-hmm. like <laughs> really Which is opening definitely up the sign of a guru. Definitely. They always are very transparent about the inner workings of the organization. Yeah. They invite everyone in to be a part of the decisions. That's right. At the end of the meeting, you know, we made sure everybody said, thank you, guru. And, and did so little, did a little bow and some. That's right. And so <laughs> now, now everything's right. As long as there's that, yeah. then we can, yeah. you know, feel good about sanctuary. Uh, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. In that community meeting, not only did we talk about our vision, uh, revisiting that and also the financials, which no business does that with their clients. Of course, we don't have clients. We have community members. So it's a very different feeling. It feels so good. Like Mm -hmm. everybody feels like they are they really are a part of the decision making and they really are. We need our members mm-hmm. to give their feedback. This isn't for us. This is for us and them. We talked about what do we do with our financial situation and how do we structure this moving forward and who can help? <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> big question. Here's what, <laughs> what we've been making. <laughs> Nothing. and uh you know all of that nitty-gritty super vulnerable stuff that generally even spouses avoid talking to each other about Mm -hmm. (laughs) um we just went right on and had that conversation with all of our members so we invited we have 90 members now Mm -hmm. i mean not everybody could come but a good amount of people showed up 15 to 20 people showed up for that yeah, which was, was pretty awesome. impressive after was a so two awesome. after a two hour Sunday service to devote two more hours. Yeah. They devoted two more hours to helping us uh, to having a brainstorming session and a yeah. little, yeah, problem solving. And then went on session. to the Discord chat and and then further, yeah, went on to our community member community chat, which we're now doing through Discord, which is quite nice. Yeah, man, Telegram. I just I just really want to take a minute to really express some sincere gratitude to those members that showed up i mean 
everybody that's part of sanctuary like really it's really special to see this thing growing as quickly and as beautifully as it is uh, but that you all that stuck around and contributed to that conversation wow mad respect yeah thank you yeah i had dreams about it last night i oh, woke yeah. up thinking about it oh you'll tell me about that later okay <laughs> yeah and so we talked about those things and we also talked about community events like what do you all want to see mm -hmm. we have a new space that we're really excited about that's mm -hmm. that it's not like truly hours hours um but we're renting it monthly mm -hmm. so it feels more like hours than and we're transparent with the owners about the nature of our the endeavor. owners of the property are very excited about what we're doing mm -hmm. and are right in alignment with our vision for community and mushrooms so and all the things that are a part of our vision so that feels really good so we talked about that like what can we do with this space and showed all the pictures of the space and its raw state <laughs> like you know usually a business would never show pictures yeah, yeah, of yeah, yeah. <laughs> of a new rental space with unprepared. no work <laughs> yeah <laughs> we're like okay here's the raw state of our new space we're so excited look at how amazing it is and mm -hmm. like help <laughs> what <Yeah>. do we do <laughs> what do we do here like give us your ideas what like how should we structure this who's who's a designer in the crowd like asking for help and support and feedback so we talked about that and we talked about we did not get to talk about as much as i wanted to um community service like not to our sanctuary community but mm -hmm. to our local louisville community mm -hmm. that's something that's really important to us mm -hmm doing outreach for vulnerable populations. Mm -hmm. So which even in Jamaica, you know, you and I spearheaded the garbage pickup and uh, the recycling initiatives the for recycling the schools. Yeah. 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 That's something that's really important. And we recognize that we're privileged and we're in a privileged position. And so let's help some people out when we can. Um, for sure. So we're still growing. So we have, coordination to do to figure that out and asking for volunteers and if you're listening and you're part of the Louisville community uh, and you're a part of a uh, an organization you volunteer for an organization or you're part of an organization that you feel like would be very welcoming of sanctuary uh, volunteering on a semi-regular basis please let us know yeah um, because that is really important to us so yeah, it felt so good to have yeah, that meeting. Yeah, it really did. And I and this really does, you know, like I said, the most up-to-date embodiment of what we, and I want to say I, because it's not we are, we have been on this together, you know. I have been credited and discredited for my work in Jamaica, um, but you have been there all along, and with Sanctuary, however, you're right here with me. Uh, and to see the community recognize you from the start is really touching to me and, and, and very important. You know, you did so much work in Jamaica that went unnoticed. Um, and that's one of the main reasons why the public kind of criticism against me has, I guess that's the only thing that's really bothered me. I mean, there's a part of it that bothers me that's about me, but really it bothers me that it, you and others have been indirectly and very directly affected by it. 
Uh, and so you've done a lot of great work and continue to do a lot of great work. And this is what Thanks. we, as we develop this vision, uh, that is more in line with our practice of mushrooms as a spiritual sacrament, something that is used to further spiritual growth, and then that helping to improve our mental health it just feels right. This is what we want psychedelic or psilocybin, sacred mushroom practice to look like right now. And let's talk about what it looks like in some of the other models. Um, maybe because we were part of setting up the wellness retreat model in Jamaica. We were the first ones that did that. Mm -hmm. uh, then maybe we can talk about what that looks like, uh, some of the pros and cons of it. Um, I guess maybe we should address some of the potential cons of the spiritual religious approach to psilocybin before we move on. Yeah, definitely. There's pros and cons to everything. Because gurus always point out the cons in their approach. <laughs> I'm going to ride this fucking guru thing. Cause yeah, I, for this, years, uh, I talked about for years, I was mm -hmm. like, don't follow me, follow your heart. I fucking always like I cuss, I smoked Duncan Trussell when I went to Duncan, did Duncan Trussell's podcast. Yeah. He, I was at the end of it. I was like, man, I, you know, he and I were sitting outside just talking and I was smoking a cigarette. I haven't been smoking cigarettes for a year, but I was smoking a cigarette at that time. Gurus <laughs> don't and, smoke. So well, you got it. so I was talking with Duncan. <laughs> I was saying, you're like, you know, one of the things that I really want to try to prevent and being on your podcast is like this kind of weird place to be in because people are going to hear it and they're going to think, oh, this guy and looked to me as some kind of figurehead or leader or whatever. And I was like, I really don't, I don't want any of that shit at all. And he was like, man, you just keep smoking those fucking cigarettes and drinking <laughs> that beer, man. You smoke cigarettes in front of your guests. They'll know you're not no fucking guru. <laughs> I was like, you're right, Duncan. You're right. Uh, and so, you know. Did you? <laughs> what smoke cigarettes in front of guests yeah hell yeah i not guess like i in mean their like face but i mean yeah like, i mean to the side with yeah. them sometimes yeah people knew i smoked tobacco when i was smoking right. tobacco yeah so anyway i was so behind i mean i was so yeah, like so i was so admin show. that yeah no i wasn't mother, publicly admin and mother i wasn't publicly criticized for smoking tobacco i was publicly criticized for smoking cannabis on retreats <clears throat> that's right <laughs> you're on a psychedelic retreat and someone is smoking a spliff in Jamaica after dinner well, or after the dose mm -hmm. or before the dose. Yeah. I mean, come on. Let's yeah, like, it's like, come on. Anyway, go ahead. Some of medicine. the, yeah. Some of the negatives perhaps perceptually about the religious approach. How would you address that? Ooh, Wow. There really are quite a few, uh, mainly dogma. I mean, like mm. this idea that, oh, if you're a religious organization uh, or rather a spiritual organization, even faith-based organization, which is what mm. we at mm. Sanctuary identify more with, mm -hmm. then th there's going to be this. This is what some, some people think uh, mm. when they see church of any kind. There's going to be this um, alliance that's blind, this like blind alliance mm -hmm. to uh, the church and whatever the church says you need to do. Uh, so that type of dogma, which is exactly what we just addressed, um, is something that sanctuary is not like we're setting ourselves up <laughs> to not uh, 
produce that type of dogmatic following from the start. We're like, it's not about us. This is about, it's not about us. It's about all of us. So give us feedback. Mm -hmm. How can we change? How can we be better for you and serve each other? I could envision a scenario where someone did start a psilocybin religion and it turning into a dogmatic guru centered this person is the high priest i mean mean, that's that's a a problem with ayahuasca yeah 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 Yeah. there's some it's already a thing scary ayahuasca cults out there Mm kind of trap you in there yeah which is again remote locations we have this um accountability from the community so that it doesn't get away and how to create this where it can function past our lives and past the lives of our members we can create an organization that maintains this integrity and can function like this into per in perpetuity uh but you know like that's the thing is like jesus wasn't a christian um muhammad wasn't a muslim uh you know there's so so it it's tricky it's tricky that anything once you create something and you put it out in the world like we've already seen people can get their grubby little hands into it if you're not really careful and especially if you're dead and gone then like how do you manage it so that's true there's there's definitely um i mean there are risks and with you being more of a figurehead in this as the minister yeah, I know. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, for the time being let's say and even prior to that i mean in jamaica people guests on retreat tried to put that label on you like i oh, just whatever you say eric mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. what do you think i should do and oh thank you eric thank mm-hmm, you eric mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know and even when you were like whoa uh-oh that's <laughs> ugh, no yeah, yeah. even then they're like whatever like ah like thank you like so much you saved my life and, and like paint pictures of, of you me, and yeah you know, get a little ugh, like there's never anybody painted a picture or made a sculpture of me uh-huh people painted pictures of you that was a digital thing it wasn't painted. oh but that was nice it was a nice little thing for somebody and that wasn't even somebody i worked with that was just somebody like hey i appreciate your work here's a, a little yeah. thing that i did but anyway uh kind of being <laughs> facetious <laughs> i don't there, know there were to, but there uh, were there have definitely been people that have gone taken a little too far and that is human nature if you do not have it within yourself then you're looking for it outside of you and mm-hmm. that is really it's not the religion's fault. It's not the leader's fault. It's not the iconoclast's fault. It's the it's the problem of the person that doesn't have it within themselves, which is, as we were talking about today, the real end goal of working with psilocybin is to be your own healer, at least from our perspective, not so that you have to go to somebody else to heal you. If I have more skill or if I have a, if I have a skill or an experience level that is a benefit to someone, then awesome. I'm, I'm so happy to help you. But I'm going to try to bring you up to your own level of proficiency so that we can actually just be together in the space and not be one person more kind of responsible or in some perceived authority over the other. Mm-hmm. It's such a something that is really not talked about and is such a really slippery slope, not just in the religious setting, also in the therapeutic psychiatric setting. Definitely. Yeah. And outside of the therapeutic setting, the physic, 
medical like medical doctors Mm -hmm. people will often disregard what their own Mm -hmm. intuition Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. to listen to what their doctor told them they should do even though it doesn't feel in alignment or they have questions yeah Uh, sometimes the questions aren't in my personal experience and i know i have so many friends that have that echo the sentiment that God, like I go into the doctor, I go into my gynecologist or my obstetrician and I have these concerns and these questions about this or that and they're dismissed. Mm. Uh, you're thinking too much. Oh, or well, don't even. Talking about the, that's uh, a silly question. The birth control. Or, what was the yeah, when we first met? Birth control has been a huge one. Like, I mean, I was on birth control for over 10 years mm-hmm. and I kept trying to I kept wanting to get off of it and I would have a conversation with my gynecologist about it and she every time would dismiss my concerns and right. say well you can switch to another one if you want and um, my concerns I had a variety of concerns about being on a uh, prescription or like implanted birth mm-hmm. control device and she was just like you're like those concerns they're not there's no there's nothing to back your concerns so mm. you should just keep taking it my recommendation is always going to be that you're on birth control unless you're trying to have a baby mm-hmm. every single one there was like four different ones over the years so anyway like that's not cool <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like I yeah. have concerns. They're valid. It's my body. My body's telling me something. I've tried in the birth control example, four different types of birth control. All of them, like I feel better whenever I get off of any one of them. So why should I get on another one? Mm. Can we talk about other options? No, there's not really really any other good options. I mean, this is just a thing with people. People generally dismiss their own ability to take care of themselves i don't know i don't know as much as this person yeah so we defer to other people to make decisions for us we perceive others as having more intelligence or authority over our own bodies and well-being and you know that's another reason that i wanted to have this conversation we talked last night i was kind of experiencing a moment of frustration over this you know ongoing general criticism of Eric, no specifics. Psychedelics today said I'm unsafe, said nothing about my work that was unsafe. Insider.com quoted that article and claimed that I was unsafe with no, (laughs) any specifics about me being unsafe. It was the button downs. Yeah. no, Your button downs are inappropriate. Yeah. And now there's this whole, like, he thinks he's a guru. Not only is there no fucking evidence of that there's so much evidence to the contrary of that and my instinct all along has been to speak for myself and say like here's who I am if y'all want to talk to me about who I am then let's talk because this is who I am and instead I've deferred to others and I've allowed other people to say oh you should not say anything right now you know you should just let this thing pass let this thing pass Um, which is not what I felt in my gut I just want to really be able to talk about it since it's up again and since, you know, it's coming from some of the same people who told me not to stand up for myself previously. And I listened to that as a perceived authority on what is good for business. Now I'm going to listen to my own intuition and say, if you need a guru, here I am. (laughs) (laughs) 
We bought a new domain name. Yeah. www.erictthemushroomguru.com <laughs> Eric, yeah, Eric the Mushroom Guru. Well, you com know, .org. Uh, .net, .us. Dot, yeah. I, I think I told you, but, you know, the DECA in the article that she wrote Sunday Times was, you know, the whole thing, they were calling me the guru. And I was like, shut up. We're not. There's no guru here. You know, and they had a, had a joke about the whole week. And she loves to call you that. Yeah. No, well, now, now she's calling me. <laughs> now she's calling me the bishop. <laughs> <laughs> okay. like, yeah, it's too you're close to home. The guru, Rick. Now you're the bishop. And I'm like, All right, as long as I get to wear the hat, cool. <laughs> so, please don't um, wear the hat. <laughs> anyway, you know, I do. Like, I didn't listen to my own intuition to speak up for myself when very baseless accusations were being made. So now I want to speak up for myself. I want to represent who I am. I am completely fucking flawed and imperfect i'm a, l- a little bit crazy in a good way i think mostly good ways there's definitely some things that i keep working on to be how do i say it grounded <laughs> but It'll you know come a long way you don't get you don't you don't become the first person to establish a psilocybin retreat in the world without being a little bit edgy and a little bit risky and a little bit crazy if you will uh, but safety um, you have many, a high risk tolerance. How many people? Well, very which high. allows me to sit in space with 10, 15 people on very high doses of psilocybin and trust the process. And so far, the process has continued to unfold beautifully. And we've seen a lot of people helped by our work together. Even mm-hmm. if I was the guy sitting with them, you in the background helping. So being able to to say I'm not perfect. I've got a lot of shit that I still need to work on. I am improving all the time, but like, yeah, I'm flawed. Hello, we all are. This is a really scary thing for people who are space holders or seen Mm. as teachers or have expertise in something to admit that I actually have a lot of flaws. So just so you know, before you start well, I don't really understand why that's the case unless that person is trying to be a guru, right? Like, I mean, because that's just everybody that's watching or listening to this knows well, that not, everybody is flawed. I think that's so the guru thing, like that's extreme. Like people, I've, I've, I've been nervous. Let's go way back. Like when I was a figure skating instructor, mm-hmm. when I'm talking to a parent. That has hired me to teach their child, Mm -hmm. pay me money to teach them how to ice skate Mm -hmm. and make a commitment to me for me to upfront admit (laughs) to them. (laughs) Like I actually have practically no experience teaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's something that you kind of have to admit as a 16 year old who's Mm -hmm. teaching, Mm -hmm. but to really be upfront and be like, uh, just so you know, like I'm really just giving this a go here. Um, I've got all the confidence that I'm gonna do the best I can, but I'm kind of mm. really afraid mm-hmm. of messing this up for you. And like, I don't want to, I want you to get good value out of your money and I want you to see me as an authority mm. and trust me. And when you're in that position, whatever it is, you're afraid people are going to lose faith in you. I mean, look at being the president. You can't admit that shit's going sour for you in any in really any <laughs> given scenario. I mean, not that you can't, but that 
it doesn't happen i mean yeah it doesn't happen and i'm questioning if that is <laughs> it's a problem. problem yeah I, I think that we have a society that is almost based on narcissism where we there is a constant facade it is represented in hollywood it's represented in these institutions where the medical doctors and all the practice you know, whatever it is they like they know and i'm like there's this is a broad generalization in, there's parenthood, all kinds of, in parenthood like you do it because i say you do it mm -hmm. little kid yeah. i know more than you like i'm not gonna let you know all the flaws i have because i i need i want you to just follow me and do what but i say if we want people to have if we really truly want people to have confidence in the people who are there to take care of them, there to support them in whatever capacity, as a president, as a space holder, as a parent, as a middle school teacher, whatever it is, then to really truly instill confidence, I believe, takes as much honesty as possible. Now, of course, you're not going to say to somebody, I have no fucking clue what I'm doing. Hopefully, if you, right. if you have no clue what you're doing, you're not going to be actually doing the thing. Yeah. There are levels of experience. No matter what level you're at in whatever the subject matter it is, there's someone who can look to you as a guide or an instructor. But if you want that person to really trust you, then you need to be willing to say to them that there's some stuff about this that I don't know. We're going to figure it out along the way. Yeah. Even beyond that, empowering that person mm. to know that it's okay. Yes, it's great exactly, to not know. Exactly, That's exactly. the whole point in learning point. and growing and becoming leveling up is not knowing a whole lot of stuff. And then you get to a certain point where you learn so much that you realize that you don't know anything. Everything that we base our experience on is kind of like a hologram. We know we like we don't even know that you know we talk about in quantum physics, you know, the, the solidness of matter. It's just an illusion. So anyway, that's a way different track that, that we're going to get back to psychedelic therapy. What the, <laughs> what, the, <laughs> what the future of psychedelics uh, looks like. What if I want to keep talking but about this, the holographic Well, this is, this is an important part of the conversation that we'll take into, maybe not the holographic nature of reality, but the composition actually. of a leader does translate into other ways or let's uh, other ways that psychedelic therapy can look or psychedelic moving out of the religious scenario there's tons of positives um, and sanctuary is doing a great job to really embody those positives over the community aspect of the transparency the non-dogmatic all of that has a has a shadow side uh, so watch out for those organizations as more and more psychedelic religions start to become prevalent that's probably going to be a very significant part of the future of psychedelic wellness is the religious approach. So now the retreat model is what we were going to move into, but go ahead. What were you going to say? Um, I guess before we get too far away from it, like I just like, why, why do you think that the guru thing was placed on you and by it's a really good question that I don't have a good answer like for. Like why that? I don't really know. Like I don't, why that? I don't, I don't, I'd love to know if you have an idea because I have quite literally on the old podcast that I did and in all of the situations that I worked with, I continually <clears throat> rejected and, and put it back in the hands of the person who came to me for help. 
I don't I don't really know. There's not any kind of history of me out there being like, hey, look at me, like doing all the things that a quote guru or someone with a guru complex does. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Do you have any answers to that? So I mean, I have a couple ideas. Okay. About why, may well for one, like we're talking about with the church. Uh, it's a great way to mm, scare people away yeah, from what we're currently yeah, doing yeah, because, yeah. as we talked about, dogma yeah. related to churches and uh-huh, gurus uh-huh, and following, uh-huh, yeah. it makes sense to me that that would be thrown out there. Of course like, he's a guru. He started look, a church. He started a church. He wants people to follow him. Of course. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that. He's a guru. I, <laughs> So that makes sense to me, you know, using the media to Mm. push somebody down and to turn them away from that over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, you're because you are you have historically done things that you you started the mushroom retreat wave in Jamaica. Mm. You have historically done things that other people want to do but are terrified to do mm-hmm. and i feel like you know anyone who's willing to do that it's i don't even need to explain look throughout history and all the leaders mm-hmm. they are initially deemed by all kinds all kinds of people as crazy and out there and mm-hmm. people are afraid of them like people are afraid well, of first a of lot all of people. first of all they praise you to get in your back pocket and then once they're in your pocket they turn there's a twist. <laughs> they turn. Usually a twist. Psychedelics yeah, today. today put out three fucking podcasts <laughs> with me on it, talking about how great I was and how great the work in Jamaica was. And then when I didn't want to work with them anymore, they took all those podcasts down and put out a slam yeah, on me. So, okay. So exactly. So either you're hated or and not that there's not a happy medium because there's, there's so many people that, you're still friends oh, with from great, over yeah, the yeah, years yeah. and that are so grateful for the work you've done and sure. have not attempted to put you on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. Thank and, you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> people do do that when they're really inspired by someone. Oftentimes they can just kind of start to like, just put them on a pedestal and think like, they're so amazing. They can do no wrong. And then they start to see, Oh, this person does have faults. Well, then they must be all bad. And they just like swap back and forth between extremes. And that's a, that's something that's happened. You are Mm. a leader in the field and you did something that a lot of people wanted to do. were terrified to do. And a lot of people were following you, trying to copy you, mm. and decided within themselves that Eric is amazing, and I want to do what he's doing. Little do and they know. then they got to know you, and it's like, oh, he's human. <laughs> Shit, like he must. He's he's ho- he's bad. Like I can't make mistakes like him, and they just turn. So. Yeah, and then they, yeah. So, and then they, you know, try and justify it. And I want to, I do want to say that, like, I want to acknowledge my own pain because it has been really hurtful that the people, not there's so, like you said, there's so many people that we've helped that continue to show up and are part of sanctuary or are reaching out and saying, hey, I've been trying to find out where you're at, and da da da, or just like they're just going about their work and they're just grateful for being a part of the work that we've done, and and that uh, makes it all worthwhile. But it's it is painful 
for the people that you put a lot of energy and care and heart into. You help them heal. You know, there are many people that I have helped recover from some very traumatic stuff who, to the end of the day, have, you know, taken an opportunity of my humanness um, to turn that against me and try to cut me off at the knees. Um, and I have I have kind of just shoved it under the rug and, it, oh, it's all right, it's all right, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt, it doesn't hurt. It fucking hurts. It fucking hurts really, really quite a bit. And there are definitely times that I have to kind of pull myself away from everything and just let you take care of me or let me take care of myself and, and just remind myself that, you know, the handful of people that are very vocal um, or are uh, subversive, that it's just it's just a fraction of the people that we worked with and helped. Those yeah, of you who do continue to send good vibes and are part of Sanctuary and support, you don't know how much it means. And, you know, for any maybe like, People talk about how much, you know, have said to me many times, like how much my support has meant to them. Well, your support means every bit as much to me. So thank you. And I also want to say that the people that have tried to cause problems, who have tried to prevent me from making money for my family, people who have tried to ruin my reputation right now, my farm in Jamaica, like I'm basically going to have to bail on my farm because in Jamaica, where I'm not there to speak for myself, people are not will not buy mushrooms from a farm that I'm associated with. There are people that are directly attempting to take food out of the mouths of my children and my wife. I want you to know that I forgive you sincerely. I know you don't understand what you're doing. I know you don't. And uh, and that's okay. It's all part of the process of us figuring out this thing. And uh, I really sincerely have compassion and forgiveness for that. Um, because what I'm not going to fuel anger with anger. I'm not going to, I don't, I don't, I don't want to fight that fight. I don't want to play that game. I want to really, truly, whereas in time has passed, I would have been an angry, very angry. Um, I would rather help the situation and the best way to do that is to approach it with love and compassion. So I really sincerely hold that in my heart. Ooh, yeah, we've come a long way. Oh, just I'll be a, a short cloud couple of years. Motherfucker, motherfucker. What? Mm, sorry. <laughs> Pulp Fiction. I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. That's okay. what I, that's what I would have been yeah, you know, right. back in the day. Right. And now I'm like <laughs> throwing mushrooms. It's okay. Have another mushroom. Yeah. Anyway, no, for real. We're yeah, all, we're right. we are all I would have spent like the last since just that little guru comment in Mm. that vice documentary like that a few years ago i would have it would have just laid me out for Mm. like Mm -hmm. i don't know how long a month probably of me trying to process that i'm really grateful that we have people that we respect in our lives and our community that are able to give us some perspective on that now mm. and remind us of the the people that we really are and what the majority of people see us as mm-hmm. which is not that mm-hmm. and also that now we have the perspective that people that put down other people publicly mm-hmm. generally uh that's a low that's a low move that's it's it's mm-hmm. something that 
you know, it's not diplomatic. It's it's not caring. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's the low road um, yeah, sure. to take. So like you're saying, I've cultivated more uh, compassion for those people in the past couple of years mm-hmm. and realize in a more actualized way that they're grasping. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's a really shitty place to be when you're grasping, just looking for things to build you yeah. up that yeah. are coming. Like you mentioned earlier, coming from outside of you yeah. and not within you. Cause the thing is, is like when vice asks about what were the, these negative things about Maiko said for, you know, it could have, the truth could have been said that Eric was doing a great job and he does not operate in a way that is traditional, but obviously his track record uh, illustrates his safety. So, you know. Yeah, it's kind of funny to me that <laughs> we're so deluded and confused now when it comes to media and when you are as fortunate as we are and get to be a part of the some some of the negative feedback that's not well researched like you know a true journalist uh is supposed to get all sides of the story mm-hmm. and that's an oath that they take mm-hmm. and uh more and more like we've gotten to see very personally <laughs> that that oftentimes does not happen no Um, or like we were never contacted you were never contacted for comment and there's so many people that we know and love that would have yeah said said things so differently even like that uh, jamaican leaner article that was you know cited in the vice thing like that reporter totally headed out to target psilocybin in jamaica Right. Mm-hmm. She when we spoke, she was just like, oh, this is so great. I love what you're saying. I love it. like blah, blah, blah. Just like blowing it up. And then the article completely and utterly twisted everything that I said. And as an organization, we knew that. And everybody was like up in arms like, oh, this is so wrong. This is so wrong. They twisted everything that was said. They twisted everything was said and made it look so bad. And then that is what was used. That was one of the citations used in the Vice video. Uh, yeah, well, just the title of that <laughs> that Gleaner article oh, yeah. was it's like people flocking to Jamaica for Americans drug retreats or something. For drug retreats, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, not quite. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Let's get let's let's talk about the uh, pros and cons of retreat models. What they look like. So the pro is that they're low commitment as far as you can sign up for a retreat, go for a week and then leave. Mm -hmm. And you're not committed to Mm -hmm. the community. Uh, People aren't Mm -hmm. committed Mm -hmm. to you, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, which is also a con as well. Of course, Mm -hmm. Um, there's not that built in community of there's from what we know, know, there's some surface level community. There's like, you know, big chats that you get added to. Mm -hmm. But as far as, ongoing like let's meet up let's have conversations Mm -hmm. weekly we're here for you like let us know if you need support right and and like in a really genuine yeah way that's happening Mm -hmm. not like a you know surface level we're here if you need us we'll 
but what's, we'll what's never it, check in on you. What's it, well, what's it called when you try to create repeat customers? There's some term for it. I'm obviously not the uh, marketing business, business marketing guy, but yeah, there's some kind of you're trying to create repeat clients. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's um, that, and that is a pro for a lot of people. Like, yeah, a lot of people are far away from wanting ready for a community mm-hmm. a lot of people are damaged by religion to the point that mm-hmm. they can't go towards a you know religious perspective and you know this is a perspective that i respect a lot of people don't view psychedelics as a religious or spiritual experience mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people are seeing it very scientifically mm-hmm. as in this is all about my brain cells repairing and new pathways being formed mm-hmm. that's what this is going to be Oftentimes, people find out it's a lot more than that Mm -hmm. and can't (laughs) be explained basically at all. (laughs) Um, So, but there is definitely a place for for retreats for that reason. What are some other pros? I think leaving your home country or leaving your the Mm -hmm. the area where you reside and going to on a trip, like setting aside time to take this special adventure has Mm -hmm. a lot of value uh, or contributes a lot of value to the setting and the set going Mm -hmm. into it because it's Mm -hmm. really like a special thing. Yeah. Um, I will say, again, kind of one of the potential faults uh, or traps of a religion or a church or a a spiritual approach is that there might not be the level of accountability that there might be in some of these kind of corporate structured businesses that's not always true and that's kind of like I mean, we've seen a lot about corporate accountability in recent years and not just in the psychedelic space but overall yeah. but presumably if you have a business that people are leaving feedback on TripAdvisor and this that and the other you know kind of thing it allows I guess a certain level of count of accountability um, that I think can build trust in clients mm-hmm no, no, no. You don't. You don't agree, or you seem questionable. Uh, accountability, like from the re- from the reviews, you're saying. Yeah, like, from, you know, like, I mean, just look at the Catholic Church, right? The Catholic Church is is a is a church that has raped children. Like yeah. The priests have been raping children, and they're still in operation because they're a church. That is a yeah, it's a problem. Problem, big problem, and it's a potential problem within a psychedelic religion as well. A business, if there was a business that was raping children. Right. It would be shut down. Yeah. Period. I guess that's how that's what I'm trying to get at. I gotcha. I gotcha. See, at first I thought you were going towards the lack of accountability in a business Mm -mm. because of the people aren't the people coming to the business as clients aren't involved enough to know fully what's going on in the decision. That's a possibility for sure. That's definitely protocols and things. Definitely possibility, and there is definitely the reality that many corporations have the money and the sway and the uh, marketing finesse to shove things under a rug. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so there's some there's some potential problems there as well. Hopefully, uh, you know, I guess it's not. You can't say this about Jamaica. I don't know how much you can say this about Peru or some of the ayahuasca places, but government oversight in for-profit retreats mm-hmm. maybe a little more possible um, in Jamaica it's not the government's just like no nobody's dying so yeah 
Yeah. Which is... Money's still coming into Jamaica. Yeah, but it's so new that, mm-hmm. I mean... Which that's a, a potential con is that if, you know, a government decides that they want to shut it down, then they can shut it down. You know, Jamaica, we, we worried quite a bit about that, whether Jamaica was going to continue to allow the retreats to happen. I don't know, maybe not worry, but. Yeah, I mean, depending on the government, right. that could be yeah. easier or harder. In a country like Jamaica, I think right. it's a lot easier to, yes. to just, you know. Turn it off. Yeah, make some phone calls yeah. if you're someone of power yeah. and make sure it stops happening. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's a country the like the United States. I mean, definitely not that <laughs> like there's no corrupt action going on in the United States government, but our government's not corrupt. What do you <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't happen as like quickly yeah. <laughs> as like country like Jamaica. Yeah. Yeah. So, which kind of leads into the economic benefit of a foreign retreat in a place like Jamaica. That was always one of the big things in my mind is how could our company economically bit benefit the country that it was hosted in, especially Mm -hmm. being a developing country. Um, A lot of potential benefit there, but there's also potential drawback there because then you have foreign companies coming in and taking advantage of a country that is already impoverished, doesn't have knowledge or infrastructure to handle a growing industry like psilocybin in Jamaica. You've got the corrupt politicians who are skimming money off the top and all that. So, you know, you want to see it benefit the people. Mm -hmm. Um, Not sure how much it does right now. I think the jury's a little bit out on that. Overall, I feel good about um, the way things are going down there. You know, that that was a real concern of mine it was the number one reason why i didn't heavily publicize the work that we were doing there or initially is because i was so terrified of kind of colonial mindset coming in and taking advantage of the opportunity in jamaica and just sucking a bunch of money out of the country which that's happening for sure and yeah you and omar talked a lot about that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which has ironically led podcast. to me being too territorial and too protective uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah it's just it's a lot of things tough, to unfold. Fine line. It is. It is. It is. So, so what about the like therapeutic, um, the like licensed therapist mm-hmm. um, working with clients with psychedelics? Yeah. What about that? What are the pros and cons there? Um, I would right now. I feel like. Personally, I feel like there are a lot more cons, and that may be just from my perspective um, because I'm not a therapist, but I've worked with a lot of therapists, and there are a lot of therapists who I've worked with that would say the same thing. Um, The pros being that potentially there is more, ideally, there's more training that goes into um, a licensed therapist or clinician who is working with someone in the psychedelic space. The flip side of that is that most of that training is not experiential with psychedelics. Most of that training is in the standard therapeutic clinical approaches. And like I said at the beginning of this podcast, I've seen, you know, clinically trained uh, researchers put their hand on somebody wearing eye shades and ask if they were okay. Like that just tells me that you don't have the psychedelic experience that it takes or you're just flat out not mindful 
of what you're doing in the space. So that could be an individual character flaw, or it could be a flaw within the training, the experiential models of um, clinical approach. And, mm-hmm. you know, even MAPS and Compass and these co- companies and uh, are only requiring like one or two psilocybin sessions to be qualified to administer and trip sit. Um, which is that is what blows me away and that's where the criticism of me has been so laughable in terms of my safety Um, because if we if we look back historically like I believe we should at how psychedelics have been administered within a spiritual container by someone who was heavily experienced that is the number one safety precaution Having someone who has a medical license or a therapeutic certification does not mean that they're safe. We've, we see therapists all the time, not even in the psychedelic space, that are just fucking with clients' heads, especially with something that is so indescribable, like you said. Experience does seem to be the key. And I wish I kind of would have pushed Omar a little more on this. Omar, got nothing but love for the guy, but you know, in the conversation we were talking about how it doesn't matter how many doses you've taken. And, and I, to a certain extent, I agree because I have seen people be very skilled after, you know, 10 or 15 doses. But a certain extent, I, I disagree completely because I've seen people who have taken two or three doses and think that they got what it takes and get in there and really cause problems. I've seen people who have taken 50 doses and... I know myself after hundreds of doses still just like being like amazed and shocked and having to really trust the process, you know? Mm-hmm. So experience yeah. when, when there's something that can manifest in such an array of um, kind of experiences that can from the outside look terrifying or problematic, it takes a real level of experience to know this person's okay and the best thing I can do, the safest thing that I can do right now is leave them the fuck alone. Just be right here beside them. When they look up at me all crazy and scared, just smile and let them know that they're doing great. Yeah, a trust in the in the plant, in mm-hmm, the process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I just and don't it's know. not just like doses with yourself, um, which is really important, mm-hmm. but doses with other people for sure Uh, so both are very important for sure and you know one of the things that's not talked about since we're on the clinical is that there have been multiple major safety issues in some of the clinical trials uh in one the early one of the earliest psilocybin experiments studies in i want to say new mexico or arizona out west somewhere they had someone break free get out of the room out in traffic caused a big traffic jam because they're tripping in the street and freaking out um in um in the east coast there was a i won't say the institution where it's happening because i don't want somebody to come after me but um i know a hundred percent by someone who was involved in the research that one of the participants uh, committed suicide very shortly after because they had treatment resistant depression they took a low dose of psilocybin and very very frequently for individuals suffering from that condition, a low dose can actually make you feel worse. And that person felt like they were hopeless. Their next scheduled uh, experience was like six months from then. And so they just took their own life. Uh, I mean, many times I've seen that it takes 
like a very quick follow-up for somebody like that. Okay, look, three grams just didn't do anything. You feel worse now. Like, let's hit you with six or eight right now. And so to like really be able to show up for people and do what it takes without having to say, well, it's going to be another 10 grand or you're going to have to wait another six months. You know, that's, uh, that's a big problem. Mm-hmm. You know, the cost of the therapeutic clinical work is going to be really, it's going to be not only prohibitive, but it may actually do some, some harm for people that don't get uh, the relief that they need in first or second session mm-hmm. and they can't wait or pay. Yeah, all of those are <clears throat> really important points and things to consider. And I'm, I don't know, I wonder what's going on in the, um, you know, like the boards that are making these decisions and mm-hmm. the conversations being had. And I know there's some, definitely some experienced people on those for boards sure, for sure. and people that are really doing their best to advocate mm-hmm. for, yeah, for people that are going to be a part of actually receiving the help and mm-hmm. the support of the plant. I feel like there yeah. may be too much generalization among the medicines or the sacraments or therapies as well. You know, a lot of times we hear ketamine, MDMA, psilocybin lumped mm-hmm. in the same category They're and they are different. absolutely not. They're so absolutely different. not. Um, so that's a real uh, potential problem within the therapeutic community is that just viewing these things as medicines that function in the same way. I mean, they're not even psychedelic. Uh, I mean, ketamine is arguably a psychedelic, but MDMA is not a psychedelic uh, and so much easier to manage. But Yeah. I mean, so on the flip side, it's clearly a huge pro that this is even being rolled out. 100%. The fact that we are culturally stepping back into yes. some comfortability with um with psychedelics yes. and in particularly like plants mm-hmm. as teachers mm-hmm. and helpers and medicines it makes I'm really happy that that's Absolutely. being talked about and Absolutely. that's something that we can as a church and we're on more or less unregulated to a certain degree I mean there's all types of protocols and Mm -hmm. things that we have in place for safety of people and Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of guidelines that we've developed and protocols but unlike a research institution that's doing a trial or a therapist that's got to be in check all these boxes and Mm -hmm. is the one of the reasons why it's so expensive at this point in time um so i like i get the reasons Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. why it's so expensive totally um it's groundbreaking work mm-hmm. that's being done and it's expensive to do that. Yeah. Um, and so there's a huge chunk of time, you know, that's invested by the practitioners into taking care of people. That's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of commentary on the vice thing on the YouTube post of it. There was a lot of commentary about the expense and how ridiculous this is. And I think someone, a compass person on there was talking about $650 an hour for trip sitting, which is extortion uh plain and simple but well, that's how much it that's 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 how much it's going to cost for uh well for ther- MDMA sessions are looking at two sessions and 12 two MDMA sessions and 12 therapy sessions for 15,000 uh psilocybin is looking at and this is what I this is just kind of what I've heard I mean it's ton I don't know I, I mean yeah, I, 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 I haven't done hour. the hourly on that but 
Could be. Could be close. I don't know. Fifteen thousand dollars yeah. for two MDMA sessions. Yeah, and twelve therapy Whoa. sessions. I don't know. We should have had a calculator and do some math on this. Maybe it is close to six hundred fifty dollars an hour. It's insane. It's insane. Wow. Is a hundred dollars an hour too much? I don't think so, personally. Um, Hell no. You know. I mean, the average rate of a, a therapist two hundred dollars an hour out of pocket. Yeah, and that's, uh, I'd say psychedelic. That's average. Trip sitting is a hell of a lot more challenging. It's a lot more intensive. Yeah, yeah. I heard and someone then, recently say it was like having sex with somebody. It's so, <laughs> it's so like emotionally. What? <laughs> just like it's so like ener- energetically like you're intertwining yourself. You can easily. Uh, get intertwined and this is such a wonderful thing that we really hopefully will talk about on a podcast soon but you know the the levels of skill within the psychedelic space and yes the more skilled that you are the more you use energy your energy to help move and shift the energy of the people you're working with you Mm -hmm. know that's one of the things that i'm in that uh, piece that i'm working on right now talking about how learning to be able to concentrate and build an emotional positive emotional state and then transfer that into someone else and see it in real time see it change them yeah you know so that's something that we're i don't know when the therapeutic world is gonna be ready to talk about that publicly i know that there are therapists that will talk about this so hey there's another reason that that they kind of pointed that guru angle at you because that is a very yeah, you talk about woo-woo yeah. type of thing, yeah. woo-woo type of thing to mm-hmm. talk about. I mean, even though <laughs> the like Taoist traditions have been talking about this for yeah, but how long? Yeah, most of those traditions are considered woo-woo. But yeah, it's a it's a reality. Mm-hmm. You know, Terrence McKenna, just to speak to what you did, you said there, Terrence McKenna said that to have a psychedelic experience and not talk about it have a psychedelic experience with another person or a group of people and not talk about it is like finding yourself in an orgy and then just not talking about it afterwards you know so it, it is yeah it is an extremely intimate experience and that's why it's really important that the people that you're working with are of the utmost integrity and that's why i feel like being really transparent is really important. I want people to know I'm coming to this thing with skills. I'm coming to this thing with flaws. I'm coming to this thing with a lot of challenges that I've overcome. And that's why I am qualified to help you in this space. And that's why I want to be, you're going to be so vulnerable here that I want to be as vulnerable with you as possible too. So you know that we're, while I'm here to support you through the duration, we're really on equal ground. The teacher cannot exist without the student. And vice versa. So while, you know, the student pays money, the teacher imparts knowledge. And that's really... Yeah, it's an exchange. That's really how I try to consider myself within the space is not as any kind of a, like I said, a healer or anything like that. It's helping, teaching people how to heal themselves. And because I am continually working on that process myself, then that is what qualifies me to show up for other people in that space. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, there's a, um, I guess back to my point about 
the person saying it's like having sex with somebody that was a little blunt. I guess it was a little harsh <laughs> way to Speaking say of gurus. that. I mean, I was kind of <laughs> quoting her. Uh, oh, well, not at exactly. Least it, at least it was a woman that said that. Yeah, not exactly how <laughs> I would have <laughs> said it, but um, that's it's such a great point that, I mean, there's a reason why so many people say it's like, 10 20 years of therapy in Mm -hmm. one day Mm -hmm. um and that is if you think about that like that doesn't come without a cost so to speak Mm -hmm. or an energy expenditure Mm -hmm. and so vulnerability highly valuable to have someone who is willing and wanting to and and grateful Mm -hmm. to be that support person for you well, you know, so. you just just because you brought it up, and it's something that I would love for us to talk about uh, in more expanded detail on a podcast, is sexuality in our culture. It is an exceedingly sacred thing that we tend to treat like a commodity. And, you know, I've been guilty of it. Um, I, I'm not going to speak for you, but, you know, I think everybody, because of the culture that we're brought up in, has had that experience or possibly that tendency at times and psychedelics are similarly being treated like a commodity like this is just some medicine we talked about the spirit of the plant in our last podcast and these are incredibly sacred and powerful plants that we would really do ourselves a big favor not to treat like just some like oh yeah i just take mushrooms oh yeah i go to the therapist and the mushrooms like this is a very sacred powerful thing that we make special time for and that it requires an incredible level of vulnerability of us yeah i am really glad you brought that up it can be easy in these conversations um when we're talking about this is exciting this is this is big work it's it's um there's a revolution happening Mm -hmm. and it can be easy to forget about the stars of Mm -hmm. the revolution, which is the plants. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well, another Terrence McKenna is don't follow gurus, follow plants, follow plants, not gurus. Right. Yeah. Um, And yeah. And so, and that's, that's a big con of the therapy aspect of it. And, Mm -hmm creating a synthesized version and uh, forgetting that this is a living being, Mm -hmm. uh, a very powerful living being and having that conversation with that living being. Um, Yeah. Because this being is connecting with us so powerfully and, allowing us to have participating in an experience with us and yeah, so god oh we can how easily many, forget that how many times i have realized as the mushrooms were coming on that it's a symbiotic experience this is not me taking mushrooms this is mushrooms taking a human too yeah you know and yes i think that there is a real potential for the clinical models to negate that especially when it's turned into a synthetic. Uh, so being able to see the growing organism and have a communication with it is is really valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Definitely. So I'm sure that there are other things that we could say, good, bad. I know the red tape is a big issue. I have several friends who are therapists in uh, the growing legal psychedelic world who are actually exiting the legal world uh, and going back underground because the red tape is so extensive and it's such a problem for people to get help. And there are so many wonderful therapists out there and clinicians out there that really truly are in this to help people and i thank you because without your work like courtney said this revolution really wouldn't be happening Uh, that being said without the work of churches like ours and other churches that are out there without the work of michael meditations and retreat programs that are out there none of this would be happening so all of the beefs aside all the pros and negatives just push that aside and just really Thank you, everybody, for the work that you're doing to move the needle to help bring psychedelics, sacred plants to more people. Um, It is sacred work, no matter whether we realize that on the ground floor or not. It absolutely is. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I think our fire is about out. I think our... (laughs) You look um, like you're ready for some. <laughs> I've got a frog in my throat. <laughs> so I'm going to spare you all. Yeah. All right. Thank you all so much. Keeping it real. Coughs and all. <laughs> yeah, that's right. See you next time. Next time. <laughs> oh, hey, check out our Discord link oh, in yeah. the comments below. You can be a part of our community mm-hmm. there. Silo7 says is also community centered. Thanks so much.